This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi there. If you hear reference in this podcast to things like today and yesterday, to confirm we did record this podcast on Sunday morning, but due to some IT issues that were out of my control and are hopefully now well and truly fixed, not been able to get it out and edited until Tuesday afternoon. So just to save you some confusion there. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hardtrick. I bet, bet you weren't expecting that. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Hello. Why weren't they expecting that? I'm always, always here. It's always you, it? I don't know why I introduce you. It's always us. I'm just always here following you around like a little shadow. <laughs> just hoping to bask in your reflected glory. Let's be honest, it's the other way around, if anything, isn't it? Uh, right, we've got a game to talk about, but we won't dwell on it for a couple of reasons. One, it was a week ago. Two, it was nil-nil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good nil-nil, though, wasn't it? It was a good, it was a good point to get. I quite enjoyed it, yeah. I yeah. think, I think uh, the, the thing to address here, more than anything else, is that there seem to be a lot of people online who seem to think should have gone for that game but they would have got absolutely murdered i i think those people to be fair are in the minority i think most people you could see from the response at full time i think a lot of people in the ground were were quite happy with a, a point against swansea and rightly so and you know I think when you look at the personnel they've got available, I don't think we, we want to see Town playing five four one every week no. for the rest of the season because they'll go down if they do because they they don't have goals as it is. But you know, with the personnel they've got and playing against Swansea, who we know dominate the ball, um, love to dominate possession. As you say, they would have lost two two or three nil if they tried to go for that. I think it was the the right call. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. It wasn't even five four one at times. It was like five five, wasn't it? Really, because <laughs> yeah. like Swansea are so good at moving the ball around, and they're all so comfortable in possession that the plan was to just try and contain and be compact, and then try and nick something on the break. And it nearly came off at the very end, mm-hmm. lest we forget. But I, I just think if they'd have gone into this break having lost that game, it feels a hell of a lot different than going in having taken four points from the last two. So I think it was completely the right way to go about it like you said I wouldn't go into every game like that far from it but I think on that occasion with it being a home game it was important just to get something anything from and that game they actually had the best chances of the game as well mm. you know that the, the xg they were almost double swansea's um mm. obviously danny ward had that one cleared off the line and um and brahima diara went through late on and we'll talk a lot more about brahima diara later i suspect dave mm. um but um you know a more experienced player probably makes something more out of that move as well and you know i, I think we can sort of reflect now and we we've done it a bit over the last couple of podcasts but I think we can reflect now on sort of the trajectory of, of Huddersfield Town season um, and I think you and I are kind of of a similar mindset which is when when Mark Fotheringham first came in and I said this I think two or three episodes ago you and I were sort of well let's wait and see and I think for the first few games we were quite on the fence because um, we appreciated that he came into a quite a difficult situation no pre-season to speak of um, team very low in bad form and his first two games um, you know that the defensive issues came to bear again uh, although they still got a 
decent point away to Luton, to be fair. Um, then they lose, you know, they beat Hull, his first win. Then they lose to Rotherham and Preston, and Mark Rotherham keeps saying he doesn't think that Preston performance was as bad as everyone makes out. Mm. Sort of beg to differ on that, yeah. to be honest. Um, but I think from Middlesbrough onwards, they've been a lot more solid, um, a lot more solid defensively. Apart from against QPR, the numbers are a vast improvement on what we'd seen previously. Um, and that is a, a big positive. Uh, and they're picking up points. They're picking up the required number of points to get them to 50. They're not scoring any goals, though, uh, which is the big concern at this point, I think. Yeah, it is. And the, the attacking return is not there at the minute. But I think the problem they have is I don't think the attacking return is going to be solved by anything other than a change of personnel. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that doesn't mean going out and buying a raft of players. It means getting some of the players they've got back. Um, you know, you forget Jones, Tino and and make such a huge difference options wise um, and they also free as I said on a pod a couple of weeks ago they also free Sorber up a bit more in open play as well because if you've got Dwayne Holmes one side and Sorber the other you can afford to double up on Sorber so yeah we we said after the break we're going to be um, a little bit more uh, forensic about that attacking return once they have the players back if it's still not where it needs to be but yeah, I, I think you can't write off that defensive solidity, really. And the you've got to remember where Town were at the start of this season and the goals they were conceding and the mistakes they were making and etc. To be where we are, what, how many weeks is it into Mark Fotheringham's time? Is it eight weeks? He's, he's, he's had less than that, yeah. He's had basically six weeks worth of, of games, so six, to, seven weeks of games. So to turn that round to the point where you can go to QPR and defend like that, uh, and you can defend like against a team like Swansea and really restrict them to sort of half chances, which is what it really came down to, other than, you know, a couple that Lee Nichols looked like Lee Nichols again to deal yeah. with. Um, so excellent. excellent again. Excellent performance. So I know this is like you, you can look at it glass half full or glass half empty, but I think you have to look at the progress that's been made at that end of the pitch. Now let's see, you know, now we feel like they're back to back to where they should be and certainly where they were last season in terms of that end of the pitch now let's see what happens at the other end yeah I I think it's interesting I spoke to um, Peter Jackson the long piece out on the website as of Sunday morning uh, which I wanted to speak to Jacko because when I look at the numbers I've got a big spreadsheet of all the previous season's results not just town but like I've got like a championship results spreadsheet that tells me after yeah, that tells me after this many games, how many points did everyone have, etc., etc., and where did they then finish? Um, which I sort of refer to throughout the season, as, as a lot of people probably know. And the the season that has kept coming up basically every step of the way this season is ninety seven, ninety eight. Like the the points return is matching it very, very closely. Four points after eight games, as it was when Jacko came in. Um, Fotheringham comes in after uh, nine games, with one of them being in caretaker charge. They're now on sort of a similar number of, you know, similar sort of story where performances and results weren't really there for his first few games and are now sort of starting to see a bit more solidity, a bit more results. And there's a lot of similarities there. And and Jacko was saying the first thing he did was was fitness and confidence was the big mm. thing. You know, get the players fit and get them confident and sort of get them believing that, yeah, you're bottom of the table, but you're a good side and we'll change this, we'll change that. Um, we'll make you so that you can, you know, when we get to the 90th minute, the other the opposition are flagging, you're still running. Mm. Um, and I think Mark Fotheringham has taken the same appre- approach. He's been, other than, you know, his, his sort of his rant after Hull, 
where it was sort of laying down the law, he's been sort of relentlessly positive about everything. And I and Jacko was saying he had to be that because, you know, and you have to put put a brave face on yourself and and be, just be relentlessly self confident because you need that to transfer onto the players and the fitness thing as well. I mean, you've commented Town just looks so much fitter now than they did previously. Yeah, all the injuries they've had as well, none of them have been muscle related. You know, it's yeah. not it's not like they've been blowing up in training. The players that have been fit and not had impact injuries, etc. Um, yeah, the one. The one muscle one was Pat Jones, who was on international duty at the time. Yeah, so, um, so I, and they do. You can see it. You know, you can't like the team that started this season was undercooked, and they would not have been able to defend like that against QPR. They would have folded. I'm telling you, they would have folded. Ten minutes to go, they'd have conceded one, and they'd have probably conceded another. And it's it's impressive. You know, like I say, I'm not asking people to believe that Mark Fotheringham is the second coming, or even that he's really good yet, because we still don't know but all I'm saying on the evidence we've got the two things we know he can do is get a team super fit in quite a short space of time and to really organize a defense regardless mm. <laughs> regardless of personnel really which is is impressive we've yet to see what he can do further up the pitch but yeah you know like I said without keeping referring to it he, he has had his hands tied on that front we can't it's very difficult to sort of sit here and say well you know we should be seeing more or we should be seeing this because we just don't know at the minute do we yeah I think probably the two players that you would say we probably should have seen more out of in attack are Jack Rodoni and Dwayne Holmes mm. um, it, and then obviously the strikers are, are really out of form um, so I, I think there's I think I'm quite sympathetic to Mark Fotheringham there because like what are you meant to do when your strikers are getting in good positions yeah. they're creating chances for him and they're just missing you can't just say well shoot better lads like <laughs> it's not like it's not like they're not doing shooting drills mm. um so from a head coach's perspective you can't really do anything there I mean we're, we're gonna full disclosure we're gonna do a separate transfer podcast I think because I think mm-hmm. it's if we start doing transfers here we're just going to end up getting sidetracked and I think it deserves its own thing plus we've got a whole World Cup to fill yeah. so you know <laughs> spread it out a bit but I think striker and I think we alluded to it last time they really need to look at in the January transfer window and you and I have <laughs> spent the last three years going no, they're all right. They're all right. They don't need a striker. I think yeah. you and I are firmly on the yeah. you know what they actually do need to centre forward this January. Also, with the caveat that they have got a striker on the books, we haven't seen a single yes. minute of yet. Um, but it does it does feel like they need to look that way because, like Danny Ward has been playing through an injury, which we now know. Am I happy I called that? It's not for me to say, Steve. Um, but he is a striker who needs to feel like hundred percent to to be at yeah. his absolute best. And the thing. Is, is he I wouldn't say he's unreliable or anything like that but he's just when he's out of form he's never the thing about Ward is I feel like he's either really really good for 10 games or he's just stuttering for 10 games there never seems to be an in-between and often we've pointed out like how hard he's working and what he's doing in the press and how difficult he's making life for defenders he's been struggling to do that the last few games because he's clearly Mm. been carrying that injury and it's it's very tough to fly into everything when you it just takes something from his game and Jordan Rhodes I, I said to you I'll say it on here. I can't remember if I said it on the last pod, but I th- I thought he looked his age 
against Swansea. And that's not a criticism. Some people will take that as a criticism. He's been he was the one who came back this season and actually did look super fit. He just looked his age when he was up against a very mobile, very quick and agile defence. You know? Yeah, that 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 Swansea's defence are all in their early twenties, aren't yeah. they? And he was always going to struggle in that situation. There are still game states and opposition where you think Jordan Rhodes could work very well and ways you could set Huddersfield Town up when they've got all options available. Well, I think if, work, if, but, yeah. if Swansea if Swansea were a more of a back foot team with a early 20s centre-back mm. lot, you would, you would actually expect Rhodes to do well there because he's clever. You, yeah. We know that his movement can be very smart and, but like, and he can outsmart them, but when the chances are limited and his job well, is he, mostly they play yeah. a re- they play a really high line because they play possession. Yeah, exactly. So the problem is most of the time when Rhodes wins the ball or he's got a chance on the ball to do something, he's forty five yards from goal. Yeah. That's what playing a high line does. And he's not going to win a foot race against the no. like, ten years younger because he wouldn't have done that when he was ten years no. younger. <laughs> so it's it's not that it's not that we're sort of going oh you know Jordan Rhodes is finished or anything like that. It's just that I he, you know he's not the man to start against. A, a young defence like that or a high line defence anymore now Tyree Simpson who knows <laughs> who knows I mean you did a bit of scouting on him didn't you Steve I had a look at some of his stuff and he's I mean he looks like he's got massive potential but he's quite raw isn't he yeah very raw um, he's he's very direct um, I, th- I think it's fair to say you know he plays like a player with his build and if you if you want to have a laugh go and look at the, the profile page on the hafc.com and have a look at the first team profiles and you've got Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes standing there looking like you know athletes normal you know normal size athletes and then you've got Tari Simpson who looks about as wide as the two of them put together and, and uh, I think it shows that he turned down a career in, in rugby union to go into into football um, and he sort of plays like that he's I mean your scouting Dave well I'm not going to take the words out of your mouth what, what was your scouting revealing? A lot of my scouting was very similar to that but the one thing the one thing I notice is that he's he needs to work on his finishing he he tends to take he tends to take the ones you think he's gonna miss <laughs> and miss the ones you think he should mm-hmm. he should definitely score and the problem is like uh, bless him Danny Ward can be a little bit like that yeah you know Danny Ward can a couple he's missed you think how have you missed that Danny and a couple he's scored you think how on earth have you done that so yeah, I think there's work to be done. So I think the conclusion we're both steadily coming to is they need another option, whether it's loan, buy, yeah. whatever. And but it just it would be a lot to just say, well, we've got Tyree Simpson, so that's our other yeah. option for the whole second half of the season, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. When I've looked at the numbers, I have looked at the finishing stats for Warden Rhodes and, and Ward massively sort of outperformed his usual last year, uh, and is massively underperforming his usual this year. Uh Rhodes has dropped as well but less dramatically but has still noticeably dropped and I think I've said it before but I think they've compensated for each other last season when one hit a bad run the other hit a good run and this year they've just both hit a bad run at the same time and it's really costly but I think you know we know how massive confidence is I think having knowing that there's going to be more chances coming will help them I think 
I mean, you're, you, yeah. you've played obviously at a much lower level, but you're a centre forward, Dave. I'm sure you can speak to that when you know that there's going to be more chances coming. You can be a bit more relaxed and a bit more natural in front of goal. Well, this is it. Like Danny Ward was such a like. A, I I know we talked about it last season, but there were so many players that could have got Player of the Year last year. But for me, Danny Ward was right up there because as a striker, he was coping with the fact that he wasn't getting that many chances, and he was still his his finishing was was right where it needed to be. And you do get a bit frustrated when you think. Okay, well, if I I've got I've got one chance to take here, I might not get another this game. Never mind this half. So it does it does up the pressure. But like I say, we keep saying it. It's not an excuse, but we they have been robbed of like a couple of the real attacking talents in this team that that like it, they do make such a difference because Pat Jones coming on and running at defenders for the last half an hour of games frightens the life he, out he's of the other one we and, need to mention when we're talking about centre forwards because he can play there and has played there and he's a re- he's yeah. he's a very good finisher yeah so that he makes a huge difference and Tino you know we know Tino Andrew a doesn't play 90 minutes usually plays an hour and then comes off but the difference is with Tino is you just like he's, he's very difficult for an opposition to set up against because you just don't know what you're going to get from him and he drifts into spaces that other players don't necessarily drift to on on that team and he just he creates a bit of chaos and at the moment they haven't got chaos that's the thing they haven't got any chaos up front it's very difficult for them to to really ask different questions of defenders and that's why it's it's all quite sluggish and a bit difficult so but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting now I think having me and you having praised Mark Fotheringham for for what he's done at this point in terms of fitness and defensive quality, it will be interesting over January and February to see can he do it further up the pitch too? Because they are two very, very different jobs, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I think... I think to some extent you can do a lot with coaching and do a lot on the training pitch in defence, but I think you can do less in attack. You can still do things. Mm. There's still a lot you can do, but it tends to be slower. And town need, and and you probably, I mean, they've got a mini pre-season now, to be fair to them, so you'd hope they'd be able to do something in that. But if you want an instant impact, and I think town do need that, obviously, when you look at the fact that, what is it, three goals in the last seven games, something like that, they do need a bit of an instant impact. I don't know whether they're going to be able to to get it. I think that the the players coming back from injury could be massive, particularly Tino. Um, but I think they need signings as well, and and I think mm. it might be a case of. I wouldn't be hugely surprised. I would expect to see more on the ball after the break, but I wouldn't be hugely surprised, particularly given that they've got some very difficult games coming up. Um, Sheffield United, Watford and Preston, isn't it, who are all top half sides. If they were a bit, still a bit defensive the first three or four games back after the break, and then they're into January. Uh, Rotherham is the other game before January. Um, and, and then Luton on New Year's Day. So I wouldn't be that surprised if they were still had the handbrake on slightly in those games and then once they get those signings in that's when they start going for it but who knows you know it might, might be that they go out to, to Marbella now and and they come back and they're playing Manchester City 2-3-5 for all we know because as Mark Fotheringham has said after Swansea we've not really seen his playing style we've seen the style that he's had to play because his hands have been tied with personnel yeah and as he said he ran through in the press conference with us you know Jonathan Hogg not a minute Tari Simpson not a minute you know various Mm. others that he's just not had any chance to work with so yeah it'd be interesting because they've started to build a little bit of momentum I think weirdly for town we talk about this mini pre-season and this break and how good it'll be to try and get some players back or just 
having those players out for a few weeks when there's no games, you know, helps enormously too. But it's not that long, <laughs> we should say. It's not like they've got, you know, two months and no. or anything the, like and that. And the, fir- the first week is rest and recuperation with, with a bit of, yeah. bit of running with the GPS on. But it's, yeah, it's going to be sort of a week yeah. of rest first. I mean, the players have all had this last week off, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've and that's absolutely the right thing yeah. to do because you can't just keep them running in the red yeah. zone. They've had 11 all. games in six weeks, so fair enough. Yeah. And then, like you say, it's it's sort of light duty is building up. So it's not, you know, there's not loads of time. They're coming back into a very tricky run, and you can't. You can look at it two ways. You can as many good points you can make. I think about having this little mini break. You can also say, but yeah, they they were kind of building something. They were kind of getting a little bit of momentum. Um, so it's it'd be interesting to see how they keep coming back. I think my mind is just warped with how they returned after COVID, having looked really good. Going going into it barring that Leeds game which we've already talked about but then they came back and they just looked a shadow of themselves you're really hoping they come back from this silk break and they they look different Mm. you know they look a lot more positive who knows I mean Mark Fotheringham has sort of hazarded as well and he set out his stall early and this is the other reason I think you might see them play with the handbrake on a little bit um, until they get into January is he has said you know bear in mind that Tino has been out for will have been out for two months over two months by the time um, Mm. he gets back he's going to need time Uh, Pat Jones the same Hoggy the same so even the players that you're expecting to get back after the break the ones that have been out for like not just weeks but but months by the time we get the other side of the World Cup break um, are not going to come in and be 10 out of 10 at their best straight away they're probably going to need a bit of time um, to settle Mm. back into the side so yeah who, who knows but I, I think hopefully it's still a positive um, that, that they're getting those players back I mean I've sketched out a best 11 and I did one best 11 that was in a 4-3-3 and then was about to hit publish and then I thought is there another way of doing this and I come up with a, a 3-5-2 or a 3-4 a uh, sorry a well, you could you could call it a number of different shapes. Basically, I think a three-five-two, which I think allows you to get in all the players that I actually wanted to get in. Because <laughs> the one I did originally, I was leaving out Etienne Kamara, which I didn't particularly want to do. Uh, I was leaving out Ben Jackson, which I didn't particularly want to do. And I think there is a way that you can get everyone in, which is a three-five-two. Helic Hog. Lees as your back three, uh, Sorber and, and Ben Jackson as your wing backs, Kasumu, Kamara and Rodoni in midfield and then you've got Andrew and, and Ward for now up top um, or Rhodes again sort of kind, kind of a coin toss between those two. I think Andrew is an interesting one because he 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 is not going to be doing I think quite the defensive job that that Mark Fotheringham has been asking his players to do so far but I also feel like he is good good enough obviously um on the ball that you just go well don't worry about it Tino it's we're still a better side for having you Mm. in here but it's where do you then play him that you're not going to lose too much and I do wonder if playing him either out wide or or up top might be the way to go rather than sticking him into midfield yeah I agree I agree I'd, I'd yeah I, I've had a go at trying to sort of think what would be their best and I whatever formation it is I just want someone close to the striker because I think like however I look at it with the current personnel you need to get somebody closer to whoever is up top not just to play off them but just to be a presence through the middle because otherwise it's great having these wide options but you need people centrally otherwise it's very easy to defend against so I quite like the 4-2-3-1 yeah. 
Um, I quite like that as an option with the personnel they've got available. But I think if they if they did change the personnel in January, I think you can make a case for lots of other formations. I like I may as well say it. I I just think they need like um, they sort of need the player Jack Rodoni is hopefully going to be in a year's mm-hmm. time. <laughs> like now they need a sort of really good attacking passing eight. I think. And the thing about about Rodoni is that I really like him. I like his bravery. I like his willingness to get on the ball but also I would say he's going to be far better next season and possibly the season after than he is this season there's a lot of feeling his way through games a lot of adjusting to the championship a lot of adjusting to the demands going on at the moment which is fine and it's all part of the process and he's learning very quickly I think he's that's one of the most impressive things about Rodoni is he learns so quickly yeah but I think they really could do with like a tried and trusted midfield option that is a, a proper forward pass a proper progressive midfielder um, but it's a big ask because like we're not talking about transfers but if we're already saying they should be looking at a striker and they should be looking at a, a progressive eight they're, they're not cheap options they're yeah. not you know they're, they're difficult roles to fill um, they're not <laughs> that's your sort of roller coasters and fireworks roles and they always cost you money you know them and wingers yeah. that's it's just not as easy as it is to go and get, with all due respect to them, you know, defensive midfielders and defenders, etc. So it may have to be one or the other, and we'll we'll see how we go. I, I think they've acknowledged that there's probably going to have to be outgoings as well, uh, and I think understandable when you're looking at a centre forward because, as you say, they're they're the most expensive players on the pitch, and the position they're in, they can't. I think. Another Tyree Simpson is not what they need. You know, that they need um someone a bit more proven who maybe isn't gonna you know, I don't think they can I don't think they have the budget to go and sign a twenty goal a season striker, but even a a ten goal a season striker at the moment would be an improvement on what they've mm. got. You know, if they can get someone who scores five or six in the second half of the season, that might be enough. It's somebody who comes up against a championship defence and goes, All right, this is fine. Yeah. That's the thing. It's it's they need that little bit of that little bit of experience. That little bit of experience. But we'll see. We'll see who knows what they've lined up. You know, they they we did like their transfer business this summer, Steve. You know, we a lot of it. About yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um there were one or two that we raised our eyebrows at, but we did like it. So there's still things to build on. But like you say, I think there could be a couple of outgoings as well. We'll see. Yeah. Um another player we should talk about in terms of bringing about an attacking improvement you and I went to the B team game on on Friday mm. um, along with 297 others there was only one player that we came away talking about Loic Aina got the goal obviously we should mention and I think uh, Nicholas Bilokopic as well in goal had a really good game kept everything out because it was a mm. it was a very fun silly game it's worth saying it could mm, easily it, it could easily have been sort of 7-4 <laughs> that game yeah. it, it, like it's kicking it's gargantuan yeah. I mean, the amount of times, like, this isn't a plus point. I'm not trying to make it as a plus point. But the amount of times he picked out the opposition goalkeeper with his kicks (laughs) just because it is absolutely gargantuan really shocked me. But yeah, he he played very, very very low arc as well. It's like Jordan Pickford, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's very low, long kicks. Um, But get him on pens. Get him on pens. (laughs) He looks like, quick word for him, actually, he looks like a keeper, doesn't he? Like, he's so composed. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. I've ju- I've just been writing. I mean, this is like this really is one for the hipsters. I've just been writing about a, a Dutch keeper called Martin van der Hort, who is um, he he's twenty years old. He's playing for Genk in Belgium, but he's already been signed by Red Bull uh, Leipzig. Oh, sorry, we're not allowed to call them Red Fizzy Drink Enthusiasts in Leipzig <laughs> um, for twenty twenty four, and he's playing regularly. And he he reminds me a lot, funnily enough, of below below. <laughs> Because uh, he's just got the same sort of stature. They've got they they're sort of six foot two, six foot four, whatever it is. But they carry themselves like they're seven foot five. They they get down really well. Their distribution is really good. Yeah, you just he he does just look like a goalkeeper. And I I think it's worth saying that the game like West they were playing West Brom and West Brom's youth side won that competition the year before and they're really good, really really good. They've got a couple of um, couple of really good prospects in that team who I think it were fairly clear are going to have a future in the game um, particularly attacking wise so there was a bit of a pattern to the game which was sort of town defending really really well and trying to restrict their chances and then catching them on the break um, which is pretty much what the first team have been doing the last couple of games and like you say it was just a very silly game it was it was good fun in the end but the the man at the middle of everything for town like it, first sort of 20 minutes it was all West Brom they're creating all the chances and then gradually the time turned second half actually town dominated it um, um, having having yeah. been counter-attacking first half but but Brahima Diara <laughs> just at the yeah. middle of everything um you know he was absolutely taking the mick out of the West Brom midfielders like every time he got the ball he'd be he'd just take it past someone and in a way that made everyone go oh <laughs> and sort of get a yeah. bit giddy and then being Brahima Diara he would then get to the edge of the box and <laughs> put a shot over the bar. Oh, that ch- that chance at the end. He had a chance at the end where he did. Yeah. Oh, he'd literally done everything right, and he cut inside. Goal at his mercy. Keeper on his way down, and he he put it high, wide, and handsome. And everyone was like, "Oh!" <laughs> and you could you can laugh at it in a B team game. Like it's just great entertainment. Yeah. If you were playing for three points in the championship in the relegation battle, it would yeah. be so frustrating. But if they can just coach that out of him and it's not shoot better it's let someone else have the ball it's you know do mm. do all of that stuff from like the the edge of your own third to the edge of the opposition box do all that exactly as you're doing it and then give it to someone else give it to Sorbeck give it to Tino give it yeah. to Wardy but he'll be if he can also, do that he'll be quite a player yeah but also you've got to be a little bit careful that you don't want to coach that bravery out of him either that's yeah. that's the thing it's he's he's a very exciting player who every so often in a game gets really really bored so decides to take on four players and is is largely successful in that endeavor and that's why he sort of he gets you off your seat i think the simple instruction for him would just be like unless you're at or past the penalty spot or you're one-on-one with a keeper don't shoot (laughs) if he can just get that in his head and it's you know players have certain habits and it's harder than that to break players out of habits sometimes (coughs) cough cough janini over kuna but um but that's a bit us telling him to cough <laughs> but um but I, I don't know i think diara could could become quite an important player if they can just get that message into him and he's willing to take it on board uh, they've got they have to find a way to fit yeah. him in because he does something nobody else in that squad does apart from like, Tino, yeah yeah he has got a bit of x factor and he has got a bit of last 20 minutes against 
couple of defenders mm-hmm. who are just tiring a little bit That's on their legs. They're going to be yeah. They he he's going to win yellow cards ahoy. You know he's he's that sort of player. So I think they've got to find a huge. But there are a couple of other performances worth talking about. I thought Brody Spencer was very good again. You know everyone knows I like him, but I thought he was very Playing solid right again. Right back three, yeah. Yeah, um, Loic Aina himself. It was if anybody has seen Loic Aina before, it was the full <laughs> Loic Aina that game. You know, yellow card first half for trying to break someone in two. Really good, solid defending. Lots of of heading bricks away, and then he comes up with a run that would have graced the Argentina 1986 World Cup. <laughs> squad to score the goal it was sensational it's like oh you've got a lot to do here Logan. he just beats his man yeah. and then curls yeah. it into the far post it's like oh alright <laughs> it yeah. was uh, it was brilliant uh, we're, it, weirdly like Town had a load of uh, clear cut chances they hit the post a couple of times there was one first half where they hit one post the keeper made a great save uh, this was after an overhead kick has been saved as well there are a couple of like really mad scramble moments um, but it, he, it took a central defender to actually show the composure to realise he was in front of goal and actually pass it into the back of the net. It was a it was a great goal, great goal to be fair. And it's there's a few of these these um, B team games coming up, and really if you can get down there, you know, like try and get down because they are a lot of fun and you do see something a little bit different. Yeah, they're great fun these B team games. Um it's it's a very di- different atmosphere it's a lot more laid back it's a lot more fun like i'm sure everyone at the club like you know takes them seriously and you know obviously you know they're, they're trying to develop the players etc but um but yeah it's it's for the fan you can just go and have fun and sort of watch without sort of worrying because if you lose then it's the b team you don't especially care yeah. um and yeah so as dave says they've got uh games coming up this friday uh they're playing middlesbrough that's a 1 p.m kickoff um which i know is weird but it's because england are playing in the evening so um and then they're playing um watford on friday the 9th of december so just before the season gets back underway um they're playing that friday evening so both at the john smiths i think it's a, a fiver for adults and two or yeah, three two or three quid for concessions um so yeah and I took, I mean, I took Bo along with me, my daughter, who who sat next to me, and she had great fun because you know you can hear, like you can hear everything that's being said on the pitch, which she found highly amusing, and she saw some sort of different players, and she just she just really enjoyed the experience because it's it's a it is a very different experience, isn't it? It is more like you say, it's a bit more fun, a uh, bit more light-hearted somehow. She got a picture with Mark Fotheringham as well. <laughs> she did, she did, and she said when it when. When we saw him, I was having a quick chat with him and she came over and I said, oh, do you want your picture? She didn't know who he was. And I was like, you know who Mark Fotheringham was? She said, yeah, but I've never seen him without his tracksuit on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've also been to Harrogate this weekend, so I've been catching up with the, the Lonies. Spoke to Romney Critchlow. The way the fixtures fall, I've not had a chance to go to Bradford because I had to pick. Basically, I had to pick between Bradford or Harrogate, and we've got more at Harrogate, so I went for Harrogate. Um, and you made the right decision. Yes, it, I absolutely did. Like it, <clears throat> it was funny because, like a lot of the time, and I've just written this in a piece. So sorry for repeat myself, but when you go to a game as a journalist to watch like a specific player, it's a bit of a gamble because there's a chance they're not going to do anything. It's like I once went to Cardiff to watch Sorba Thomas sit on the bench for. 90 minutes for Wales which was great fun um 
And coming into this game, when you look, when I looked at Harrogate's results, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, this yeah. might not be great fun. They're down sort of towards the bottom of the table, uh, and they're playing Mansfield, who were up in the playoff places, uh, and they won three 0 and two of the town players got assists. So um, there was no Josh Rostfield; he was suspended. Um, the midfielder Matty Daly played at number ten. Basically, he was pretty anonymous, to be honest. Someone said that's the quietest game he's had for Harrogate. He's been, mm. he's been sort of the the only player keeping them afloat recently he scored a lot of important goals but unfortunately did nothing uh in this game and, and went off injured i'm not sure how serious that is or otherwise um but went off injured early in the second half but their left wing was um jaheem headley at left back and danny grant on the left wing and they had a really good partnership going um both grant and headley got assists um and i spoke to danny grant after the game that piece is on the website uh, it was good to catch up with him and it's good to see him playing regular football after sort of the first year that he had at the club um and you know he's doing well that's his third assist in eight um i would say i think he he needs at least the rest of the season in league two i think danny grant he still he looked he looked he's not really completed 90 minutes many times and he looked pretty tired by about the hour uh and he went off with 15 minutes to go and i think understandably because he's as he said after the game it's the first time in about two in about two years that he's actually been playing regular competitive football um but Jaheim Headley looks really promising. The left back uh, looks like properly good. When I turned up, I was speaking to the local media um, before the game and said, you know, how have they been getting on? And they all said Jaheim's been the best of the four uh, and he was excellent in this game. Uh, we've seen him play for the B team, you and I, Dave, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Quite a few times and he, he's looked promising. But but Raw, he, he sort of had a bit of a tendency to get into blind alleys going forward and then sort of end up a bit lost and not know what to do with it. But you can see just playing those competitive games he's learned to pick his moments a lot better and and he's choosing his moments really well I think there's a really really promising left back there who has a really legitimate shot of getting into the town first team in the next I mean I wouldn't be hugely surprised if they brought him back in January uh but that's I've not spoken to club about that but the way that he's been playing and the fact that that they've got an injury in that area makes me wonder if they might look to do that but if not mm. if not January then certainly in the next year or two I think he's potentially got a uh a, a genuine future at the club yeah you'd, you'd hope so because he's like we we saw it i can't remember which b team game it was last season but he was he was man of the match by a while and he scored a great goal where he cut inside mm. and just curled it from from 25 yards so yeah you, you would you like not every player makes it at the club do they you know there, there's a reason the transfer system feeds the lower leagues like it does and you who knows what the future holds but like being able to fill a sort of an expensive position like like fullback potentially is always worth looking at isn't it is always worth looking at I think I I saw Danny Grant a few weeks ago and he he looked like Danny Grant <laughs> and I, I'm not I, I don't mean to I'm not sort of heavily criticizing when I say that but he looked like Danny Grant in that he looked really tired after about 40 minutes um he kept showing in flashes what he could do um and his pace when he was was fully fit was was really good but yeah you just feel like he just needs to be a whole lot fitter to actually push into games yeah and Josh Ashfield I, I I'm still not 100% sure what his best position is because I don't know if he's a 6 or an 8 I've seen him play as in the middle of a back 3 for the B team mm. as well more than once like I'm still not 100% sure where is where his future lies yeah yeah as I say I didn't I couldn't really comment because I didn't get the chance to see him and 
Uh, Matty Daly is, I think, what what they've said there is uh, he, he came in, started the season well, then had a dip and then has been back at it again recently, which I think has pretty much been the pattern on, on all of his loans. And I think for him to make it, you'd need to see a bit more consistency out of him because he's, you know, he's, he's I think when he's at his game, he is far too good for League Two. Uh, but I think the issue with him is he just isn't at his game as often as he probably should mm. be. But, you know, that again, that can be something that comes with the experience and time, can't it? So. Um, but yeah, I think the thing I liked about Danny Grant actually was his passing more than anything else. He's got he plays with his head up all the time, um, and some of the passes he picked, um, little through balls into the box or playing it into the feet of someone who was running towards the edge of the box were were pretty smart actually. Um, so yeah, I, I think he probably needs a bit more time out, but um, yeah, interesting to he catch needs up some anyway. Luck, Danny Grant, yeah, doesn't he? Does. he? He needs some luck. That's that's his next step. But uh, yeah, interesting to catch up on them anyway. Uh, right then, Dave. Music recommendation. <sighs> hang on, give me a second. Just hang on. I'm going to have to do what you do and bring up my Spotify here. Uh, so my music recommendation is Naz's new album, King's Disease Three, Ooh. which is basically everything you would ever want from a Naz album, and um, is just it, there's nothing particularly exceptional about it. But trust me, I would take one of these a year every year for the rest of my life excellent oh he did an ep a few years ago that i really really liked uh nazir um was it was that a full album anyway i really like that one so i'm definitely going to check that out dave um you and dts have both accused me of being uh, a musical hipster and having really weird obscure taste which i think is slightly true but also slightly unfair but just to lean into that and you know become a parody of myself i thought i'd pick the most obscure and inaccessible album that i actually genuinely like which is 2005's uh rehearsing my quiet by the fiery furnaces who are a brother and sister team from chicago one of my favorite bands for a long 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 time maybe going on 20 years now uh, and they did an album where they got their grandmother on uh, to sing about a, a fictionalised version of her life growing up in Gangland, Chicago. Um, and it's brilliant. Yeah, this sounds this sounds right up my street. It's really weird, but like oddly enjoyable. It's like just a, a really nice narrative that goes all the way through the album. So yeah, there you go. That's mine. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Very cool. Good. Exploded, exploded your own myths there, Steve. <laughs> and next week I'll uh, I'll go for you know Madonna or something. Right. Cheers, Dave. We'll see you next time. Happy World Cup, oh, everybody! Yeah. If you do indeed celebrate. Oh.